welcome to New Beginning Radio, where we're planting seeds today for a better tomorrow and taking positive steps towards our future. With me today, my co-host, Mr. Sheldon Gooch. Good afternoon, Mr. Gooch. Good afternoon, Miss Sanders. How you doing? I'm absolutely wonderful. How are you today? I'm doing great. I tell you what, I get suspicious if I got any better. Suspicious? Mm-hmm. That's a good thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, blessed and highly favored. <laughs> Amen. Yes, indeed. Amen. Yes, indeed. Are you ready for our show today? I am very excited about it. Yeah, and, um, we have a beautiful young lady that's joining us today. Absolutely. So I'm excited about her, what yes. she's doing, and how she's really changing people's lives. So I'm really excited about that. Absolutely. And I share in that excitement. If you don't mind, would you say a prayer for us? Sure. I'd be glad to. Dear Father, we do thank you, Father, for your goodness and for your love and your mercy toward us, Father. We thank you for uh, being the the one who is more than enough, Father. You're the many-breasted one, Lord God, uh, meeting all of our needs. And Father, we thank you for... uh, just being our provider and our protect and our protector. Father, we thank you for all that you do for us. We thank you for the listeners that are tuned in to this broadcast. And Father, you know the needs of each one. We pray that you uh, would minister to them according to their needs and that you would allow us to be used as vessels for your glory. Father, we thank you for our guest and our guest host that, that's here. And we give you praise and glory for all that will take place in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Okay. Would it be okay if I did the interview? Absolutely. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to uh, to introduce a, a young lady that um, we met and our spirits collided and connected. And we uh, are on the same page in many areas when it comes to uh, our mission, um, the mission of the Geneva Foundation, as well as uh, the mission of I Am Free Incorporated. And... Um, and so with that, I just want to introduce everyone to Dr. Patricia Jackson. How are you doing, Dr. Jackson? I'm doing fine, and you? Oh, I tell you what, I'm doing great just seeing you sitting there smiling. <laughs> <laughs> so we're glad to have you. Glad to be here. And, uh, and before I go any further, I want to also um, reintroduce Samelia Stewart as our guest host. And she's guest hosted on New Beginnings Radio before. And we're glad to have you again. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. So, Dr. Jackson, um, we were just doing some preliminary discussion, and and you were just sharing uh, just a lot of insights on on the work that you do, and we're excited about getting into that. But tell us a little bit about your background. Mm-hmm. I know you came from Gulfport, mm-hmm. and um, but between Gulfport and now, uh, it has been a journey for you. So, we'd love to hear you know, some of the highlights of that journey. Yes, um, born and raised in Gulfport. I left Gulfport to go to Washington. I work with the FBI as a fingerprint examiner. Uh, Because of health issues with my mother, I returned to Mississippi and they didn't have a performance of the job that I was doing in Gulfport, so I had to apply in Jackson. I got the job. So I went to Jackson Police Department as a fingerprint analyst. Uh, After 33 years, decided to retire. Can I, let me stop you for a second. A fingerprint (laughs) analyst? Yes, Yes. that's my question. So, so, now I've been on the back side of that. (laughs) But tell us what a fingerprint analyst is. Um, 
My time was spent trying to help prosecutors uh-huh. put offenders in. Wow. Um, and what I did, I was responsible for reading fingerprints. And that is telling you, uh, if you watch any of the stories like CSI and mm-hmm. things of that nature, you'll always hear them talk about a partial fingerprint or the automated fingerprint identification system known as APHIS. Right. And what we do is we were able to tell if your print is the one that touched an object. Wow, that's deep. And you did it for the FBI? I did. My training was with the FBI. Wow, I'm scared of you. <laughs> <laughs> but that's very, very impressive. And so so now you're at, at uh, JPD. Right. Um, prior to retirement, I did work with the city's uh, re-entry program known as Fresh Start. Uh, and then after retirement, I volunteered with them for a while, and then I decided to take a shot in the dark at my own thing. And it's been working. Uh, all of those years I spent trying to help put people behind bars, all of those guys and females that I saw go in the system mm-hmm. repeatedly, mm. I decided to start looking at why. And that's what made me decide to work, start working with reentry. Wow. And I was going to ask you what, because normally it, some something happens to either us or someone close to us that we start being sensitive to that. And, but uh, so there was no particular. No one close to me. Um, I did leave the city at one time and went to work um, to help Sheriff McMillan set up his new facility at Raymond. Right. And during that time, he assigned trustees and talking to these guys and, you know, not really realizing what, what the future was going to hold for me, but I just kept conversation with these guys on why they shouldn't and why do you come back? And then I would go mm. and visit the pods and I would listen. So after a period of time when I decided, okay, this side of my life, I'm going to change. And mm. then that's just something I decided to do because I was always interested in why you keep coming back. When you tell of this bad treatment or mm-hmm. the food is bad, why do you keep coming back? And so I started to talk to other people only to realize that if nobody's on the inside teaching you and trying to find out what caused you to go in in the first place, Man. then you're going to get out and you're stuck in the same rut. Absolutely. So I tried to, decided to try and do what I could to make a difference. So, let me, so you're saying that you... You connected with those that are on the inside. Yes. And um, and and you felt them. Yes. And you know, and I and I hate to get get on get in the pulpit for a second, but you know, before Jesus did his great works, the Bible says he was moved with compassion. Yes. So in other words, he felt them, and he had empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then you know his work began. So um, you would go in and and visit with them and get to know them. Um, and I tell you, when you say Sheriff Mack, that was my guy, Sheriff uh, Malcolm McMillan, who uh, is no longer with us, but uh, who was a valuable asset to the jail at that time. Yes. And so you began to, so you made the decision why you were working mm-hmm. with, to, to, to be involved in I did, the but inside. I had no idea. I knew this is something I wanted to do, but mm-hmm. I didn't know the route I was going to take. I see. So, yes. So, so the name of your ministry now then is uh, Transformation Reentry Project. Okay, Transformation 
reentry project. Yes. And that trans is that's it's a Z in yes. there. Yeah, I noticed that. Yes. Uh, Trying to yeah. make it a little different, even though we are doing our best to transform some lives. Right. Uh, make you think different. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, make you understand that people are different, and just because you think you're right doesn't mean that everybody's going to agree with you. That's true. Uh, even if found innocent after spending time in prison, people are not going to be okay with it. Right. People just have a tendency, because you were behind bars, yes. that's who you are. Who? And, you know, you have the occasion to tell people, you've been given several second chances. Mm. As the uh, comedian uh, Kay Williams say, I'm on my third or fourth second chance. Right. You know, right. but we don't look at it when we start looking at others. But there's something you did it may not have been as major. Right. But it had to call for forgiveness. Mm. And I'm going to give you a second chance. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people. I mean, I talked with a guy that uh, I didn't really know him just uh, last week, I guess it was. And he said, um, several years ago, you came to uh, McGee High School, and I was a high school student. Well, now he's got salt and pepper hair, he's bald and got kids. I said, no, nah, that was my dad. But anyway, <laughs> um, but he, he said his life was headed downhill. And because he heard the story, it, it changed his life. But he said, the things that I had done, talking about second chances, he said, I had so many chances. Mm -hmm. And when you look at society in general, I think people are generally good. But I think we all have something in our closet that mm -hmm. required mm -hmm. uh, a second chance or some regret of some sort. So tell us now about your work and what you're doing. Currently what we do is um, we go inside the prison. Uh, we go into four prisons in Mississippi. We go inside the prisons and we teach life skill and personal development classes. We try to connect if they need um, certain things arranged for them on the outside. We try to connect with the families to um, see if we can help them with that. Mm -hmm. uh, those who are from out of state who are in Mississippi prisons, they can't get an ID card or a social security card. So. We try to connect with families so they'll have these things when they get out oh, wow. so they can hit the ground running. That's good. Um, we do those classes. We give certificates of attendance. And that's because we find out that a lot of times they go before the parole board. Right. And they tell them what class they need to take. Right. But those class certificates are not in their folders. Ooh, wow. Wow. So yeah, we, make, we make a copy to give to the facility. But we also give them a facility, I mean a copy. That's and there good. are occasions where they ask, would you send it to my mom or would you send right. it to my family members so I can have them. So we teach those classes mm. and we also uh, partner with SCORE to uh, work on a program for those who want to be entrepreneurs. And it's mm. called Simple Steps to Starting Your Own Business. So we go in and we give them that information. And then once they're out, uh, we provide mentorship. Some, you know, a lot of, especially guys, think they don't need anyone when they get out. Right. Um, but 
I tell them like an alcoholic, when you get to that point where doors have slammed, people have tried to get you and you don't want to go in that direction, right. then you may have to pick up the phone and call yes. and just say, I'm having one of those moments and not be ashamed about it because right. you're on a mission to start a new life. Mm -hmm. And there are some things you're going to have to bite and keep going. That's right. And so we try to build a rapport with them while we're in. Uh, don't go in all suited up. Mm -hmm. uh, and we stay down to earth with them. I mm -hmm. love to make people laugh. So like, you know. I noticed that. <laughs> we develop a good rapport with them. Um, oh, good. I have a couple of people that work with me as far as the mentorship mm -hmm. is concerned. And they never thought that they would be in that position. So it's a program that we're happy with. Wow. Uh, and we are happy with what we're doing on the inside. That is good. And I think the fact that you're getting to them on the inside before they come to the outside, it 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 it's um it helps with the transition. Yes. You know, so I think that's a that's a wonderful work that you're doing. And how long have you been doing that as as transformation ministry project? Since two thousand seventeen, um and prior to that with fresh start about two years. Okay, okay. And uh, so do you have some success stories that Yes, my biggest success story is when I was with Fresh Start, we went to a um, resource fair in Forest County, Arkansas. And we met with the guys, talked to them. Like I said, I love to make them laugh. Right. I talk about them. I'm that mama, grandmama <laughs> when we go in. And on the way back, you know, in the federal prison, they can email. Mm -hmm. And on the way back, the guy emailed me and said, Miss Jackson, because I was doing life coaching. And he said, I think you need to be my life coach. So he had been locked up nine years, and the three years he had left, he kept a relationship with me every week. Wow. I was going to get an email. I got letters in the mail, uh, communicated with his family, his mother and his brother, and he got out. Mm. And when he got out, he had already prepared me what he you know when he was getting out uh, who's getting him and everything and on the way home he was even shooting me pictures telling oh. me because he had been at, he went in at 17 18 oh so <laughs> wow. uh, his experience his first experience was when they stopped in a McDonald's mm. and the lady said can I help you and he said I just stood there Right. Say because I was not used to people asking me what I want. I used to speak with telling me. Yeah. And so he ended up telling his story to them. And of course, you know, he got his free meal. But <laughs> Whoa. He, uh, Wait a minute. Yes. I, I missed that, I missed that one. <laughs> I did. But he, he stays in contact with me even today. Wow. If he buys a new pair of shoes. He'll send me a picture of a new pair of shoes. If it's a girlfriend issue, oh, wow. what do you think I ought to do? But he still stays in contact That is with awesome. Me. So that's been about, it's probably been about four years now. Okay. Um, that and, and the other one was basically a federal inmate. But he was already out and already got back on his feet, started a business. But he kept his story to himself. Mm. He never told anybody. And I actually saw him at an expungement fair, and he was trying to dodge me. And I said, I'm the one who can help you. Don't pay no money. 
Right. Come let me help you do the pa- this paperwork. Wow. So, um, wow. so um, going inside, they get out. Uh, you don't remember me, do you, Miss Jackson? I said, no. And he'll tell me I was in your class. Thank you. You know, so I get that pretty right. often from people. But yeah. I tell them I'm like the minister. Mm-hmm. If I can help one, I'm all right with that. Right, mm-hmm. that's right. So we we strive for more, mm-hmm. but we take what we can get. You know, I'm I'm just listening to you and I'm just relating to, it, to everything that you're saying. Have you ever thought about uh, teaching them to mentor? Yes. Okay. Um, we talk to them about it, uh, even when we're on the inside. Mm-hmm. We take a few minutes, and of course, um, everybody is it's amazing. Everybody we come in contact, male and female, they want to keep others out. Uh-huh. Uh, so the only thing now is, how do I go about it? Because I'm telling them, you just can't go out and talk to people. Right. You know, saying the wrong words can run them off. Uh, talking the slang that you learned in prison. Because everybody's not ready for it. That's right. And like me say, so what do you mean everybody's not ready for it? And so we get into that. We have scenarios in prison, you know, where I let them know. Well, if they tell me that, I say, and then you're still not going to have a job. Right. You know, if right. you take on a negative response. But right. most of them want to come out and help people. Um, and it's the juveniles. Every adult wants to get out so they can help the juveniles mm-hmm. by telling them this is not the life. You know, so we get on this, how many times have you been in? Why should I listen to you? Right, mm-hmm. you know, right. so we try to make them think mm-hmm. because it's easy to talk. That's right. Uh, but we try to make them think, and a lot of times we can get next to them really when we tell them about their daughter and son. Look at everything going on now, and if you're not going to be the protector, right, mm-hmm. right, can somebody take up that slack you know nothing about? Mm. So, wow, yeah, we, we do talk to them about mentoring. That's good. That's good. What type of challenges do you face? Going inside the prison, you know, I have to be kind of careful. <laughs> but one of the major major challenges, um, of course, we're a nonprofit, and you're working on your own to do this because everybody don't support what you're doing. Do um, you get a like on Facebook? You get a um, I think you're doing great, but why? But it's not a it's not a burden. I don't take it personally because right. if I did, I wouldn't be doing it. But a challenge, the challenge from within is talking to these male, the male and females, and knowing what the system is not offering them. Mm. So it's it's kind of hard if it's set up for rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. But you see no signs of rehabilitation. Right. No incentive. Or they're taking classes because it benefits the prison. Mm. But it doesn't benefit them. Right. Right. And they know this because we know that everybody that's in prison is not a dummy. They're not stupid. Some right. of your most intelligent people are sitting right there yes, ma'am. because they made a mistake. That's right. You know, so you give the right time to the right person and they start figuring things out. So a challenge is trying to get the, the system 
to recognize what you're doing, to recognize it. You can have me in there, mm -hmm. but I need you to understand what I'm doing. Right. Uh, a guy asked me one time, if you don't mind me asking, he asked, why, why did they tell him it was mandatory to take their classes? But when you go to transformation, if you don't like it, you don't have to go back. But we don't want to go to those classes as much as we want to come here. I see. And it really stunned me, but I told him, all it is is money. Let's just be honest. If y'all go and repeat what I said, it's the truth. Yeah. They're getting paid to bring classes in, mm -hmm. so it's mandatory. So you fight challenges like that of knowing what exists. But as far as me, my biggest challenge is uh, it's a challenge where there hadn't been a hindrance. And that's being uh, to a financial status where I'd like to be. Okay. Um, having my own office space. So, because I would love to have a um, support group for those who come out of prison. Right. Because it's going to be just as hard for them as it is an alcoholic. Oh, yeah. who has to go. So what do you do? I sit in on some AA classes, and I'm sitting there listening. I'm like, that's right, you're going to be alcoholic the rest of your life, so you're probably going to have to come to meetings the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. But the same thing with a person who's been out and who don't have the get up or the knowledge right. to succeed. Mm -hmm. Because everybody that gets out of prison won't have the same opportunities. Right. It's not in everybody. That's right. So That's right. Well, we're going to put a pin in it there, and we'll take a pause, and we'll be right back with Dr. Patricia Jackson. Thank you for the insights. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're looking for a really good read, one that will encourage you and inspire you, I encourage you to pick up The Legacy of Geneva, The Gift of a Mother's Wisdom, written by the beautiful Miss Colleen Sanders who took the wisdom of her mother, the late Geneva Williams, and put all of the, her precious nuggets in a book. Her mother passed early and left her to raise nine brothers and sisters. Before Geneva Williams left, she warned Colleen of the harm and the abuse that would soon come her way in the absence of her mother. And it did happen. But she remembered all of the wisdom that her mother poured into her and it became her means of survival. Thousands have benefited from the wisdom as Colleen has shared with so many others. And now she has launched Legacy 1000, and that is to put 1,000 of these books into the prison for incarcerated females, 79% of whom have also gone through various forms of abuse. Pick up your copy today on Amazon.com. All proceeds go to support Geneva Foundation. You'll be glad you did, and we thank you for your support. So we're back with uh, Dr. Patricia Jackson. And uh, Ms. Sanders, I think you we're going to ask some questions. Yes. Dr. Jackson, I was listening to you. Again, thank you so very much. I was listening to you talk about the young man that emailed you and, you know, just went from one point to his life to the next because you made such a big difference. And I know that a lot of times when people are not just behind bars, but just in the world. Just to have someone to just act like they care about me, you know. And sometimes it doesn't matter who that person is, just to be able to show that love 
and that concern about that other person makes such a difference in their life. And I know one of the things that we do at the Geneva Foundation is is always giving a bag. My motto is plant a seeds today for a better tomorrow. Mm. And that is exactly what you are doing mm. because that young man will never, ever, ever forget the positive influence that you've had in his life. Wow. And that is always so important is to be able to, you know, if 20 people in the world, just 20, mm -hmm. were like you, what a difference, difference this world would be because we are looking after our brothers and our sisters when we think nobody else cares about me. You know, there's someone there that I can depend on. Mm -hmm. I can email her. She's going to email me back. You know, she may get mad at me, but she's emailing me back. She's calling me back. I was uh, with a friend of mine who is a psychiatrist, and she's treating a gentleman uh, that's just came out of prison, 17 years old. And he sleeps in his shoes. Right. Because he's afraid that if he pull off his shoes, someone would take him. Mm -hmm. And you know, in my mind, I can't imagine in my lifetime going through that type of fear of knowing that whatever it is that I have on, someone can take control over me and to take that away from me. And so to be able to go in, you know, and teach teach the classes and make a difference in somebody else's life is unbelievable. I tell everybody that, and people ask me the same question, why do you do that? Mostly my family. But they ask me all the time, why do you do that? Uh, going through my challenges and things that happen in my life, I just don't see not making a difference in somebody else's life because nobody was there for me. Right. So to be able to go in and make a difference in somebody else's life, I take my hat off to you. So Amen. I thank you. I appreciate everything. And I'm going to get emotional because that's who I am. <laughs> I thank you. And I, I just appreciate all the wonderful things that you're doing. I remember when I, when I first met you, you started telling me what she was doing. I said, wow, she's just like I am, <laughs> you, know? you know, but, but it's so, it, it, you know, we hear all of the bad stories. We don't get an opportunity to hear people like you and the things that you're doing to make a difference in somebody else's life. And at the end of the day, we got to be an angel for somebody. Yes. We have to be an angel for the person that don't know how to take care of themselves or just need a hand up, not a hand out, but a hand up, mm -hmm. just to be able to say, hey, I got your back. You know, you can call me. You can talk to me. I know Dr. Jackson going to be here on Friday, at least tw twice a month. You know, I know that she's going to be there. Can you imagine that person just being there? And that's the only hope that they have is to be able to see you walk through the door and know that somebody cares about me. Hmm. That is so important. So I thank you. I thank hmm. you so much. Well, thank you. Hmm. We, uh, we receive letters. Yeah. Um, we receive them more from females than we do males. Um, one of my challenges to the women is to make contact with their mom. Oh, yes, yes. Because of the things they suffered when they were yes. young. Mm. But do you know why? Mm. Every woman that gives birth mm. is not a mother. That's true. She mm. gave birth. She gave birth. And I've had some success stories where I'm glad you had me to call my mom because I just found out my mom lived this life. She lived that life. Mm -hmm. And I never had an idea. 
you know, but when you tell me that you've had certain people coming in talking to these people, it's like you would think this would have yeah. been released. Right. And so that's why I tell people I come from a a different mm -hmm. perspective in talking to people. Nobody can tell me God don't exist. I know he exists. <laughs> All right now. So I don't try to take away from the fact that the faith base go in. I let them have their side, y'all teaching the scriptures and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to come and I'm going to tell them what God loves. And that's the truth about what's Amen. going on right here in society. Okay. But I never, I never leave without telling them. They make up their mind after they go to God. Mm -hmm. If we're doing a quiz, mm -hmm. graduations for the females, I do pens and pencils that say I trust God. Mm -hmm. uh, I wear a bracelet every, every day and I give them to them, you know, when I know that I can give something. And I tell them, you know, and they walk around with bracelets yes. for days. But I ask, explain each one to me and tell me why it's important. You know, right. tell me why your little girl is important and you in here. She can't be that important. Mm. But uh, one of the things you mentioned was about how people act. And healing communities put on, it's out of Pennsylvania. Mm. They put on a program to teach the congregation mm. how to handle people who are coming in. Because so many times churches have jail and prison ministries. Right. 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 And you go and you preach and you teach to these strangers. Mm -hmm. But you don't know what's in your congregation regardless of how small or how large. Because people are sitting there, they don't know how to tell. Well, I've been to prison because she's going to look at me funny. Right. Yes. She'll right. yes. never look at me yes. the same. Yes. Right. And that's what happened to that man I was telling you about who uh, was trying to work on getting some exposed. Right. He's been sliding a few dollars in my pocket because he understands what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. But even a minister does not know. You're mm -hmm. absolutely right. And and one of the issues that I know Miss Sanders has, um, and but I have it as well, is that we have so many members of clergy that are ill-equipped for trauma and crisis. Mm -hmm. If you got a female, that's in your church, we know that one in four is being abused mm -hmm. or has been abused, mm -hmm. but they're sitting there and they're coming to the hospital church mm -hmm. slash church to get healing and to find wholeness to, to take care of that. In the same way with um, um, with ex-offenders, mm -hmm. you're right. You know, they said, I'm, I'm, I better keep this to myself and they withdraw. Um, but every church ought to have a safe house. There's enough people in most of your small to medium, even your large mega congregations mm -hmm. to have safe houses um, for an ex-offender who can come there, they can adopt mm -hmm. into the church family and take care of their housing temporarily and everything until they can get on their feet. Somebody in that church has a business, okay, that they can take the risk and say, I'll hire you. All the services that are represented in a church, uh, the hospital is there. But you're right, no one knows how to deal with an ex-offender, and they certainly don't know how to deal with abuse. And everything you said is what they're teaching. Um, 
at this conference, conference I went to, that's exactly what they're teaching. Healing communities. So it's healing communities. Can't think of the word right now, but it's, it's more of a, you make your congregation a safe place. But what happens is, I go in and I teach you how, when she opens up that she's a ex-offender, right. you greet her with forgiveness for whatever she's done. Yeah. Um, you meet her at the door. If I'm telling you I have five females who are in need of a stamp, then what do I need to do? Well, I've got Jane Doe. Let me assign you to Jane Doe. So if you will, just shoot her a card every now and then. That's good. Even if it just says thinking of you. But those things the congregation don't know to do. Right. So the congregation just sit there and they don't know. You don't know who's sitting. And as large as these churches are now, mm. who's sitting in the congregation? Right. Yeah, that's, that's right. True. And who's sitting there? I, I talked to a, a, a pastor yesterday. So I'm going to go over and present a PowerPoint to her just about, to their uh, congregation, just about reentry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just about reentry. Yes. And then if you want to take the next step, then we'll come in and we'll talk to you about how to teach your congregation. Right. And the biggest thing is forgiveness. Mm-hmm. So if you can forgive mm-hmm. a man mm-hmm. who walks up to the church door, see you there as an usher, turns and walks out, only for you to step out and say, excuse me, sir, I know who you are. Come in. And he recognized her as well. Mm. And she's the mother of the son he killed. Mm. How many of us can actually say that? So that Mm. word forgiveness it's a whole lot deeper than we really look at. Oh man! Absolutely. Because we can say it, but you got to put on a whole new, a whole new set of shoes. Mm-hmm. Your armor got to be heavy to go into that battle. That's yeah. true. That's true. But can it happen? It, it can. can happen. Yes, it can. So yeah, we look absolutely. at small acts of forgiveness, but how do we teach you to forgive the person who murdered your absolutely. son, who raped your daughter? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You got to have God in mm-hmm. you. You got to. Because you Deep. can't do but church has a sanctuary mm-hmm. and a sanctuary means safe place mm-hmm. is it really a safe place for somebody wanting to belong to something feeling a part of something mm-hmm. and feeling welcome and that is so key to, to a person's healing in his, in his recovery and then the forgiveness thing in my class I showed you a video mm-hmm. of how they you know forgave me for the armed robbers I committed against them. And I've been singing I'm free ever since I got saved in prison. But I really got free when they said, I forgive you. I'm like, whoa, I don't deserve this. Mm-hmm. And But that really changed my whole, you know, my whole life, really. Imagine what it did for them. Oh, yeah. Wow. Because the gentleman said that after that happened to him, after you mm-hmm. robbed him, mm-hmm. He got, he got saved. He did. He got saved. So that's that is so important. If you don't mind, would you talk a little bit about the church in Texas that you visit? And you were telling me that uh, members of the church, some of them had been in prison, 
And what they did was they got together. Some didn't have cars, and would you just tell that yeah, story? Yeah, well, you know, a couple of, <laughs> couple of um, about a month or so ago, I went to a church in Texas, and I was there. I met the pastors in the hotel, but I had uh, was there to go to some pr- some other prisons, and so they said, "If we invite you back, would you come?" So I I went, and it was God moved in a in a powerful way. It was pretty nice sized church but after it was over with the pastors began to testify to me and they said all of these members came from the street they were prostitutes drug dealers convicts ex-convicts the the worst of the worst and uh well they actually got a bus and it was going around picking up all these people he had to leave at six in the morning Mm -hmm. and church started at 10 Mm -hmm. and at 9 45 he was arriving with a bus load and he did that for years down in Texas. And then God moved uh, in their midst. They started getting saved. But they all felt like they belonged to mm-hmm. that congregation and they, it, it was theirs. Well, God began to bless them. And uh, she and they learned about tithes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they were tithing on broke. They didn't, they didn't have anything, but they were tithing 10% of that. And God moved in such a way that they all, within a couple of years, all of them had cars, and they had to get rid of the bus. But it, it was an, it's a testimony and a classic example of how uh, when you welcome the least of these um, and you bring them in, you know, God has said not many mighty, not many noble, but he chose the foolish things mm-hmm. to, uh, to confound the wise. And so they went after that, that bad part, and it came out. I mean, then are you talking about praise and worship? Well, I... I could stay there. Wow. You know, sometimes I think about a lot of the pastors, and it's not to beat up on anybody. Um, You know, we go to churches, and it may be 25, 30 people there. Everybody just seemed to be so satisfied, you know, when you've got 200 more chairs that's there. And my thought process is always the same. If you want to build the congregation, go work your community. Mm-hmm. And if you work your community, if, if a young woman that has one or two children, you know, that she's pulling and dragging, trying to get to the store down there, if the first lady or a member of the church show favor towards that lady and her babies, do you know what that would do for that child? Not only that, she's going to start to tell other people, her other friends, because they all have the same clique. They're just to know that you can go over there at that church. They're going to take care of you. They're going to watch over you. They're going to take care of your children. And they're going to take care of me where there's nobody there, you know. And sometimes young girls are is having babies, babies having babies. You know, they don't know what to go, where to go and what to do. I just think it's a responsibility of especially a church, church mothers, church evangelists, to go out in that community and make a difference in somebody else's life. Mm. If you want your congregation to change, go change the community. Mm. And it takes one person at a time. It really does. We've gotten away from training yeah. uh, those young mothers. Absolutely. Training them to be young mothers. Yes. Because you know they lost. Yes. You know, mm. all they know is somebody said they'll help me or... Mm-hmm. Government. Mm-hmm. The government. That's and, all they and say. And they're satisfied with that. Yeah. But if you take them under your wing and train them, mm. and I'm talking about 
grandmama's train. Yes. You know, you got to be honest with yes. them and tell them, you know, now you're going to take care of your baby. Mm -hmm. It's your baby. Absolutely. But I will teach you how. Yes. And then, like I always tell people, people don't mind helping you when you're trying to help, help yourself. yourself. Yes. Amen. Yes. You know, but when you get so stuck, it's, it's good that uh, your, your daughter has a child and you want to help her raise it. Right. But if you do all the work, what does she learn? She's not learning anything you know. other than mom is helping me. That's right. You know. Mm. I, w I was told a long time ago, if I teach you how to fish, you can fish for that's yourself. That's right. For a lifetime. That's right. So that's, that's what right. we have to get back to doing. We yes. really do. I have just gotten all types of chills over here. <laughs> I, first of all, I just thought that you are truly walking in purpose. Like there's a calling for what you're doing. Because it's a Saul to Paul situation. Like for you to be in a position to say, I was responsible for putting you in jail. And, you know, you was responsible, okay? But it was my job. <laughs> There's a difference. To confirm that. You did that. And just to know that the, the attitude, the mentality that people that are in law enforcement, there's a certain posture, that, and, and, and they can be a little, you know, mean. Mm -hmm. Just be like, okay. A lot. And, you know, and I'm thinking you went from that, and, and you probably always had a heart. But just to know sure. the system, and, and day in and day out, you're dealing with criminals and people that have done some really terrible things. And for you to take a look and say, you know what, um, I, I see you as the person and as a child of God. I still see the goodness in you. And that comes with a lot of compassion and heart. And that's like a whole different type of mentality than the person that was responsible I'm not saying responsible. <laughs> yeah. But you were doing your job. And I was just thinking, um, myself, just a personal story. You know, I I haven't been to prison, but I have made a terrible mistake and had to sit in jail and had to go to a class and, and pay a really big price for the mistake I made. And it was another chain on top of a lot of other chains that I had on myself. And you, a person that sometimes when they have gone to jail and they've had that, it, it's so many, before they even went to jail, you know, it's the mentality maybe they have had. Growing up so for so long in an environment where somebody is constantly telling you, um, that you're not good enough mm -hmm. and you're mm -hmm. walking in some type of form of defeat mm -hmm. and failure and then to have that mentality and that weight on you and then you make a poor decision and then you're in jail and then you have the culture mm -hmm. within that and it's so easy to once you get free you know you're really not free it's like what do I do mm -hmm. and so you and just to have someone say you know what I want to invest in the long haul to help you show you give you the tools day in and day out like you said transformation mm -hmm. and that doesn't happen overnight it's easy for somebody to come in and give a great motivational speech mm -hmm. it's easy to come yeah. in and quote a scripture and say a prayer and say you know what god i did my job mm -hmm. but to really see the christ in them despite all the mistakes that they made and say i'm, I'm going to sow a seed I want to plant it, I want to water it, 
you know, like I, that that is amazing. And I, I can't imagine even for yourself how much work that that takes on you, mm-hmm. you know, because not you don't always have a successful story. You do have those who even after you have sat down and talked with them and worked with them, they back in the prison system mm-hmm. again. And then you still gotta come back with love some more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With some more love. And somebody else probably say, see, this is what I told you. You should have been mm-hmm. messing, going out your way for right. this individual. Yeah. And for you to really be, um, as I always say, um, I always tell Miss Sanders, I tell uh, Sheldon, you know, to be extensions of God's love. That's what we all are. So. I mean, to dedicate your life to this, that I really commend you on. Because this is some tough work. People, Absolutely. Jesus left us with two commandments. And I'm telling you, that love walk is not. He <laughs> <laughs> said forgiveness. Mm-hmm. You're going to need the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. to forgive someone that you know have done something wrong. Or that has hurt you or hurt someone else. And it's so easy to to blame and say they deserve um, mm-hmm. what they got right. they, for what they did. And for you to be like, I know, I know my my children messed up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, you it's you hard. have to stay prayed up because one of the biggest things I run into, and I really don't know how to deal with it, except for talk to people, and that's what a sex offender. Mm-hmm. Ooh, well, oh. You raised one there. <laughs> That's for a sex offender. You're in prison. Nine out of ten, that life is not easy in prison. Now you're getting ready to be released. And there's nowhere for you to go. Mm-hmm. Your transitional homes won't take you. Your apartments won't take There's no law that says an ex-offender cannot live in these apartments. Mm-hmm. They don't want you. So what do you tell a person when they say, when they whisper in your ear and say, Miss Jackson, I'm a sex offender. Mm. Mm. And I come back, I say, ooh, you know, you don't have a rough then. But I have to find a way to, to kind of make them, yeah, I know, because it's not a smiling matter. No. But okay, mm-hmm. we're going to have to see what we can do for you. Knowing I'm walking out that door and I have a slight idea. But you know, in my question, and because I've not encountered that as of yet, mm-hmm. but I know that a sex offender that's on the that's documented as a sex offender has to register mm-hmm. as such. The neighbors in the community have a right to know, mm-hmm. uh, and it's public information. So, um, I, like I said, I haven't encountered that, but it would seem at that point my shift or my focus would be on uh, getting him some cycle, you know, because how much counseling would he have had in prison? prison. This is what's happening. I'm going to just flatten my time so when I get out and go wherever I want to go. Okay, so what she's saying is, what you're saying is, instead of trying to have good behavior and get out on parole, with all the restrictions that go along with it, I'll just stay here and flat do the flat time. So when I get out? I can do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Go where I want to go. Mm-hmm. Wow. Because where am I going to go here? Right. And you have the 16, 16 you have an 18-year-old 
It's been now 22 now. You have the 60-something year old. I'm getting ready to get out. I can't find no job now or a place to live. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? Mm. And and I and that's the reason why we see that's not the main reason, but it contributes to the the homeless roles that we have. When you see people mm-hmm. that are laying on the street, uh, I, you know I run into them all the time. Now mm-hmm. you know it was many years ago that I was in prison, stayed there for many years. But the old convicts are the ones that I see from time mm-hmm. to time. They recognize me because yeah. I hadn't changed much, mm-hmm. but they have changed a lot, yeah. and uh, they don't even look the same. Sleeping on the street, mm-hmm. and um, is it 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 gets to me, it, it, you know it, it it's hard, it's hard on me mm-hmm. to see somebody that maybe I slept across from, and he looked healthy then because he was eating good, you know he was eating three squares, mm-hmm. and then to see him out here skin and bones with eyes that are deep cavities, and you know just you you feel like man prison was better. Almost, they were better off when they were incarcerated. And people don't understand that, but they had a bed rather than trying to sleep mm-hmm. on the bridge, mm-hmm. rather than standing in line hoping I can mm-hmm. get a place to sleep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Maybe somebody, if I give them something on my tray or whatever, I can get some socks. You know, these little things. That's true. We take so much for granted. Right. But to pull a sock off a homeless man's mm. feet, do it and see what you see. It's amazing. So when they tell you it's better in there, yeah. they don't know. And one thing I had to teach my daughter, coming up, okay, I'll say this. My daughter is an AKA. My daughter's a real AKA. She boosts. <laughs> <laughs> but I had to Hope teach her coming up. <laughs> That's just the demeanor that I, I mean, know. She I has know. it. You'll never ask her if she's anything else. But why they do this? What that just that's common sense. And I had to teach her. Everybody's not the same. Right. You that's wasn't true. raised. To, mm-hmm. And I had a friend coming up. And that's how I could teach her because I had a friend coming up. She got married. And she lived like 30 miles from me. And I could drive there every weekend, go to her house. Her husband would go to his friends, I'd go. They'd get into a fight, and I'd get in it. And my mom would always tell me, he going to run you from Wiggins. He's going to run you back home <laughs> uh, one of these days. Oh, and so goodness. I couldn't understand. I was like, but why she stay with him? Uh, I never could understand why she's mm-hmm. and I would always just go to her with this because I had a real concern mm-hmm. right. if they fussing like that they're going to start fighting and she was like baby she's doing what she wants to do mm-hmm. you can't make a decision for her you pray for her that if mm-hmm. that situation gets back and that's what I started mm-hmm. doing mm-hmm. and she stayed with him he never jumped on her until they died they were all right but that mm-hmm. was the way they wow. lived, and they were happy. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I have to tell my child now, stop thinking it's common sense. Yes. Right. Everything that works for one does not work for another. So That's right. she's bowed down now. You know, mm-hmm. she's not as high up. As she <laughs> <was>. <laughs> she's a little cage, yeah, yeah, <laughs> little AKA. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's, she's grown up now. So you start telling that story, mama. But... 
yeah, you know, she just thought this. And I would go home and the guys would come and visit and we'd be sitting out laughing and talking and we'd leave and she'd say, well, your friend been to prison. Because <laughs> everybody comes by. And you know what they're coming by for? Because I went to the FBI to this day, those who are not dead think I'm an FBI. But I stayed down to earth with those guys. Yeah. And they wow. would come by and they'll talk and they'll talk. And they'll talk. Then they go on about it. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I knew there was something unique Thanks. about because when you said you would ask them why. Because they don't get to explain why when they're in court. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's that you did a crime, mm-hmm. you'll do the time. Mm-hmm. Not why mm-hmm. you did the crime. Mm-hmm. And so just that question, uh, like Miss Sanders says, shows you care. Because the average person, my experience, uh, dealing with correctional staff, they don't, don't they don't even don't care. care. Even if you um, were not guilty, and believe me, there are those who took the arrangement because they couldn't they couldn't win through through the judicial system. They took the arrangement that was offered for the fear of retribution. That would mean many, many years on the back end if they didn't. But no one has ever asked them why. No one asks why. And that's the humanity part of it. When you say, why you, you got a daughter out there? Why are you up in here? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I met uh, in Tennessee. It was an IF project. And it was, it was two women, a detective and one or something else. But the detective was going to the prison and she was taking a writing class and it was, what if you could make another decision? Mm-hmm. That when the, the decision you made that landed you in here, what if you hadn't done it? You know? So that's their project now. They're from the well, law somewhere. But they go around doing that. So one of the things I, I talked to her, and she said, sure, take it in. So one of the things I started doing is just asking if there was something you could have done that wouldn't have landed you in here, what would you have done? And some as simple as walked out the door that day I did if I wouldn't have gone. Mm. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Listen to my mom. Right. You know, it was a, and they never think about that. That's right. And so we go in with what if and we'll ask them that. And sometimes you'll catch them. Man. Indeed. That's all I had to take. Your first time, if it's your second or third time, I said, you might be the right, it's going to take you a long time. <laughs> oh, yeah, now I remember. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But it's those little bitty things that everybody bring to them. Mm-hmm. But then there's that one little thing nobody seems to care about. Yeah. I'm calling your name, you come. Do you have your hands this way? Those little bitty things just to de- de- demise you, just to minimize you as a... And one thing I believe in, if you're going to be a man, you need to act like one. Mm-hmm. So now you go into a facility where they want to beat you down, and I said, now I'm not telling you all this, but I still believe in a man being a man. Yeah. So you mm-hmm. do whatever you have to do to get to the point you need to do to get out. Right, right. But you always got to keep, because if you convince me that I'm just a weakling, mm. it's just like, you was talking about 
people tell I did. Right. If somebody constantly tell you you're not, because my head might not be as strong as hers. Right. Right. And somebody can talk to her and she can stand on top of the wheel. Well, I'm going to start ducking my head. Right. It happens in prison, the same thing All that happens time. out here. Mm -hmm. And then that's what you release to the street. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No training. Mm -hmm. I still don't know how to behave. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I end up with. Door. And it's all hit and miss. Yeah. You know, it's all hit and miss traveling there. And for the most time, time uh, part, it's error, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, very, very, you know, very few actually make it. So, in closing. Wow. We're going to have to come bring you back for part two. Yeah. Or we can just keep on rolling. <laughs> we can. Um, part two. What would be, what would be your your burning message that um, if if you could just tell the world or if you want to pinpoint and target a certain segment uh, what's in you that you're trying to get across to the listeners out there to open up see what's really there offer what you have because something you have is going to be beneficial. Whether it's a job, I mean, I don't believe in just giving handouts. Right. Um, yeah. Your place of business, yes. they're the, um, the bonds, the tax credits. Businesses mm -hmm. learn about them. Absolutely, tax credits, yes. And that's what I would love to see them do. Really realize the problem, not because it's a, it's a top, issue right now not because everybody's talking about it right but because it's happening in your neck of the woods yes and yes. because it's happening what you're going to do is continue to see your crime rate increase mm -hmm. you're going to continue to house uh, facilities to take care of these offenders that you criticize so much but you won't do anything keep them from going back and you're going to continue to see just the same old same old but my thing is for society to open up okay. uh, eyes and ears mm. to hear what's going on and to see what's going on. Because as I tell everybody, it's not just in your backyard. That's right. It's all around. Mm. Mm. Wow. Um, for the listening audience, um, what is some of the things that you have on your needs list? What is it that you need right away? <laughs> Other than cash. We know we, we are. Look, I have a foundation. We need cash. <laughs> well, we, uh, going into the prisons, we take um, binders, notebook paper, mm -hmm. black pens. Um, of course, binders, no metal, no prongs on the folders. Because um, we have them doing a lot of writing. Okay. That's good. So, program materials. Yeah. Okay. What about gas money? We can always use that. Okay. See, <laughs> uh, I had a friend of mine tell me because I've done everything, and so has Mrs. Sanders, done our work just out of our pockets, yeah. and you know we just have this thing about asking for money. Yeah. yeah. But we know what it when it's first of all you're giving your time, you're giving your effort, you're paying your gas, um, the materials, all of that. It, it costs. Mm -hmm. And everybody can't go where you go. Mm -hmm. And just like everybody can't go to India or China or, mm -hmm. or, or to the third world countries, but we can send that person mm -hmm. 
especially when they're having results and you're having great results. So ladies and gentlemen, she has a 501c3 and she needs money. <laughs> and, uh, and so it is the, um, the, tri the Transformation Reentry re Project. Dr. Patricia Jackson, go fund me, whatever you, we need to do, but we need to take care of somebody who is taking care of our people. And so we're, we're just excited uh, that you were here. Dr. Jackson, thank you so very much. Thank you. It has been truly a blessing for me to have you here. And uh, we're looking for great things. And my daughter over here, I claim children, and she has to be, have to be, has to be one of them. Miss Samaria Stewart, thank you so very much. You, you were in bed and decided yeah. you was going to come anyway. So yeah. that is a, that is a winner. That's what winners do. Faithful. So we thank you, Mr. Gooch, as always. We thank you as well. Uh, we'd love to get your, your feedback, your comments, your likes. Um, you can reach us on Facebook at uh, either of the two uh, ministries represented, Geneva Foundation, and also uh, I'm Free Incorporated. Ms. Sanders, how can we get in touch with you? Uh, www.genevafoundationinc.org. And I'm Free Inc. is I'm And Dr. Patricia Jackson, how can we reach you? 601-526-1975 or feel free to email me at T-R-E-E-N-T-R-Y project at gmail.com. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much. Folks, have a fantastic week and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to New Beginnings Radio where we are planting seeds today for a better tomorrow and helping you take positive steps towards your freedom. We hear every Saturday evening at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, as well as Monday morning at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time. We hope that you will join us. May you ever be delighted with the presence of our Lord as you continue in His will. Have a great week, everybody.